Welcome to CPF Firewire, a podcast from California professional firefighters where we discuss a wide range of issues affecting firefighters, our unions, our families, and the communities we serve. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the CPF Firewire. I'm the CPF president, Brian Rice. And for more than a century, California's firefighters have benefited from a strong and active union movement. Every significant advance in health, safety, and well-being of firefighters on the job has been fought for and won by your union. Whether it's better pay, retirement security, health and safety on the job, even the right to organize. The reality is clear that strong unions make a difference for workers. But even though unions are as popular as they've ever been, the union movement continues to be in trouble. A smaller share of private sector workers are unionized than ever before, and management groups spend hundreds of millions of dollars a year on union busting. And today I'm joined by one of the strongest and most effective labor voices in California. I'm honored to have my good friend Robbie Hunter uh, with us today. Robbie is the president of the State Building and Construction Trades Council of California. His organization works on behalf of over 450,000 skilled construction workers in our state, including 68,000 apprentices. Robbie is a native of Belfast, Northern Ireland, and is an iron worker by trade. He led Structural Iron Workers Local 433 before taking the reins of the state council nine years ago. Uh, This year, our brother Robbie Hunter is retiring as the president of the building trades, and he took the time out just to come over and have a chat. Robbie, it's an honor um, to have you with us today. Well, Brian, um, your introduction was, was very kind. Uh, but it did start out with uh, my close friend, and that's who you are to me. When I look across the table at you, Brian, I see another uh, member of the building trades in my mind's eye. Uh, you lead blue-collar workers who are, have a tough job, they're strong of character, they've been trained, they're determined whenever they're, whatever their mission is that they're gonna achieve that mission and they're not gonna back down. And uh, the building trades are in the same place, whether we're working on a skyscraper or a tunnel under the bay, uh, we are the answer to the problem, we're never the problem. And that's who the firefighters are. You know, I, I look back at the history of America and labor uh, and of course, it all started in the East Coast. I mean, Los Angeles was a hobble, and San Francisco was a gold rush town. And we were organizing on the East Coast in Chicago and Boston and New York. Uh, we were out there uh, fighting on them skyscrapers to get decent conditions where you couldn't even speak to another worker. They, the bosses thought you were trying to organize a union. They would have us line up on a street corner every morning and we would put our tools in front of us and they would walk along and look at the tools. The old arm worker in front of you would have uh, the, the barrel from the fire pit, he'd rub his hands and rub the, try to hide the gray with the suit. And my grandfather in the 1920s told me he lined up in Chicago and it was raining and the guy in front of him, the suit was running down his, the back of his neck from the gray hair where he tried to hide it. Uh, we lived in a tough world where it, they were the bosses we had no say. Firefighters had no ability to build camaraderie. They thought you were organizing and they broke you up. And we fought our way off those street corners, getting hired by the day. We fought our way 
out of, well, this guy got killed in a fire, too bad. Uh, we wanted our families protected. We wanted training. And, uh, and we wanted a, a fair wage so we could support a family. And, you know, the, the common denominators between a firefighter and the building trades is just, it seems like you're just another part of us and we're another part of you. So the relationship, and particularly the last 10 years I've been here in Sacramento, uh, you guys are our closest ally, and you have been my closest partner in dealing with issues in, uh, in that building. And when I was on the wrong side of some of those top politicians, you would tell them, well, I'll come to your meeting, but if Robbie Hunter's not invited, I'm not going. And it's the same the other way around. So, you know, your fight's our fight, and most of the time, it is the same fight. It is. You know, I'll just say it. I've always felt you kind of took me under your wing at a state at a state level, and and kind of guided and pointed me. And 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 uh, you're you're just always there. And I've always loved the fact with um, the building trades. You build it, we're protected. Helmets and hard hats. You know, Brian. Um, I was in Israel when those big fires first hit, and you had just taken over this position, and. You know, the, the pressures you were under and the things that were happening at that moment in time, I was listening very closely uh, to how you were handling it. And I got to tell you, buddy, I, I, almost, uh, I almost let out a cheer because of the pressure you were under and the issues and how serious things were and how California and all that loss of life, um, you hit the ground running. Um, uh, you didn't need advice from me. Right? You have the you have the DNA of a firefighter inside you, and their family, and what the issues are uh, across the board. You have a rich history in labor, and just 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 real quick in a few sentences, you how you found yourself, you know, to be to be an you know an iron worker and um, really a major labor leader, not just in California but the United States. In 1900, Belfast, where I lived, had the biggest shipyards in the world, had the biggest steel mill in the world, had the biggest linen mills in the world, the biggest tobacco works, the biggest machine shops, because they made the machines there that made the linen, and they sold it, all that stuff everywhere. So they were a world, actually a world uh, juggernaut, but it was all built on slave labor. And the workers in the mills, were the women were working 18 hours a day, the child labor, Four years old, they were putting kids to work in mills. Back then, when they tried to organize, they used the military against them. They brought in scabs against them. Firefighters, too. Belfast, uh, even in my time, we had two firefighter strikes, which we 100% supported. Um, but the, uh, the tyranny that was used, including the military against working people, uh, was absolute. And then if you were Irish, they could use force against us that they couldn't use against uh, English workers. And so it was pretty brutal. My great-grandfather, John Quinn, went to prison during a strike uh, uh, when they brought in uh, scabs to, to break, the, break them. And uh, he went on to be one of the founders of the Irish Transport and General Workers Union. And when I left Ireland to come to America in 1978, that's the union I belonged to. Anybody that tried to organize, they, every company had their thugs. You couldn't look up. You couldn't talk to another worker. They'd say, they're talking union, get rid of them. I mean, you couldn't even build a relationship within a workforce. And uh, so, 
you know, we fought hard, and, and it was very bloody, to get uh, the basis of the unions in the early part of the century. And, uh, you know, we were also came to America at the same time, and we carried some of that with us, and we met, uh, I mean, I, me personally, I met some of the greatest trade unions in the world in this country. Now, when we got our unions, we were accepted, and the government became partners, but in America, that's never been the way. There's always been a bounty on trade unionists and the union movement, whether it be the firefighters or the iron workers where I come from, the, 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 the powers that be didn't want us to have a single voice. They wanted a single voice to tell us what to do, but they did not want us to organize because they know that if you got 10 firefighters and they say we will work no less than enough wages to support our families and have a life, uh, they don't want that. So. You know, uh, the, the fight in Ireland and the fight in America, uh, it never goes away. It's, a, it's um, a continuous basis. And if we don't stick together, we will go back to the street corner to get hired. Yep. Trades and firefighters line up in their political thinking. And then we as leaders, you know, it, we got to walk a tight rope. And that tight rope is working with and supporting those that support us. And I've always, I've always said this to, to the firefighters since I was a local president, and I always told them, my politics are this, wages, hours, working conditions, health and safety, and a secure retirement so you can raise your family on a single income, period. And, and everybody, it doesn't matter if you're speaking to 10 or 100, everybody's nodding their head, you know, yes, I'm in. And then my follow-up is, if you believe that, let us do it. You know, because sometimes the sometimes the politics of it and and getting things done, it's not always pretty. You know, and and I can say that that people that we've partnered with, a lot of times our members don't ideologically um, line up with them. But the flip side of that is. Um, it's about getting benefits. It's about getting work. It's about safety. It's about health for our members. We just can't pick one party over the other and say, that's where we're going because we'll never get anything done or um, or potentially we'll get taken advantage of. And I know you've walked that tightrope a lot. Do you kind of see it a, a little bit the same or do you have a different view on that? No, Brian, I actually do. A matter of fact, uh, I've been on many meetings at the FLCIO where I listened to you speak, and when you told uh, the, the meeting that we are not going to blindly follow one party. We are going to find people that support our issues, and our issues really are that we, we want our members to have uh, safety at work. They want to get, we want them to go home every day, and both of us, unfortunately, it's a number one issue because we lose a lot of members. Uh, we we have tough, dangerous jobs, and it comes with the job, and we don't flinch for it. We always believe we're going to go home. Yep. But there's some politicians in the building uh, that just are not our friends, period. And it can be a staunch Republican that doesn't think a firefighter should be making enough money to support his family or have a pension. And I've walked picket lines with the firefighters against these pension recall right. Republicans, but I've also worked with you shoulder to shoulder against Democrats that don't seem to have uh, working people at heart. And, uh, and you and I have went against the stream you know, within uh, 
some of the meetings that we've attended. Seems to me you and I served blue ices under yeah, your leadership. Yeah, we don't, we don't, <laughs> we, we actually, we, we, we put together, we did at the Democratic Party, we did a booth and we set it up like a, a, a 7-Eleven. Yep. And when we said our members cannot support their, 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 their families on wages from, uh, from a retail store at minimum wage, that we need jobs that, that our members can support their families. I mean, what is the goal of your members and ours? It's to buy a home, yep. hopefully in the community in which you have been raised, to have enough money to support their family with dignity, to put their kids into college, and then after a lifetime of risks and danger and injury, yeah. for to have a retirement where they can bump their grandchildren on their knee and take them maybe to, to Disneyland or the beach, uh, because that's all we're after. We're not seeking to win the lottery. We will use our life's blood and our whole uh, youth and, and, and working life to do the job that we believe in, uh, but we do need to make sure that our family uh, has enough to live decently and we can buy a home. And that's what the firefighter's about, and that's where the common denominator is with the building trades. Yep. It, you, know, you know what's interesting, Robbie, is I was listening to you, how many trade unions, how many unions really started, yes, wages are a big part of it, but... The industrial might, and I don't care where it, where whether it was England, Ireland, um, Europe, the United States. The, the industrial might traditionally, when you go to work, you're a dollar sign. That's it. And a lot of these unions, and we forget this, started over health and safety and trying to get our members to go home safely at the end of a shift. And and I'm we're talking about. Um, whether it's a triangle shirtwaist factory with a major fire in New York or some of these places or little kids working in mines. This is what it's about. It's about our health and safety and um, whether you're a man or a woman, your dignity in the workplace. And that always struck me um, for us as kind of modern um, trade unionists that I think that we kind of we, we kind of forget that, that our roots are... A lot of our brothers and sisters in the past didn't go home. They they lived on um, uh, poor wages. They 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 survived in hobbles or tenements, or you know they didn't have the kind of things that we have today. And and I think that there's got to be a little bit of a return to roots with our members that we didn't get where we got to because people love us. And and meaning people in general do, but the but the folks cutting the checks. You're just a dollar and cents. You're either a credit or a debit. And, and I think that, you know, we forget that. Working blue-collar workers in California are often ignored by both parties. It seems like we're just the people who pay the taxes and pay the bills, uh, but we're of no consequence. Now, they, there are exceptions to that, and, and quite a few people in the building uh, know who we are and what we do uh, in society. Uh, but we got a, a, a quite a few that that uh, does that our working families don't seem to be a priority. It's every issue in the world, uh, but the ordinary working person's issue. And uh, uh, so, I mean, there's a lot of special interests in that building, and there's only a few of them that are lined up with what 
you know, the firefighter and the building trades members uh, want. I mean, uh, we, you know, when I, when I look back at 100 years ago, 120 years ago, another Irishman, Patrick McCarthy, he landed in New York in his bare feet in the 1880s, and he walked to the Erie Canal in the winter. He ended up in San Francisco and he organized the Carpenters Union. He went on to become the mayor of San Francisco. He formed the California Building Trades in San Francisco, and he looked over at Sacramento and he said, that's where they write the rules, and when they write the rules, we can't live. We're going over there to write some rules ourselves. And in a very short period, when we looked sideways, the only other group in there that was working for working people was a firefighter. If we didn't have a presence in this capital, our issues would be buried. Uh, wages and pension and, and safe condi working conditions would be, they would contract us out to the, the lowest bidder. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the people that would do those contracts wouldn't be much cheaper, but they would be pocketing the difference. And the working iron worker or the working firefighter at the bottom would be the one that would be suffering with no pension, no medical, and not making enough money to be able to buy a little home and have a life. That's what you're the, you're the, you're the, uh, the devil's guard at the gate to hold the line against that. We support both parties individually on people that are good on our issues, and we will oppose and we will fight uh, both party members that uh, don't seem to care about us. I think that the building trades and firefighters were the vanguard, and um, it's protection and it's building. And it makes me think, we've had this conversation, and this is a great place to, to air this out. As we started looking at um, these wildfires that have been catastrophic in the last um, five years, and now all of a sudden we're seeing all these carpet-bagging contractors coming from out of state, Tennessee, Kentucky, um, Idaho, Montana, and they're starting to bid on these contracts. In fact, I think two of them went to out-of-state contractors out of the Bay Area, out of the Sonoma area. But where I'm going with this is, is we're starting to have that discussion to link up. We need to plant the flag in California and just say, bullshit, we are not taking out-of-state contractors into this state to profit off of Californians, uh, California's natural disasters. It's wrong. And then the mitigation on the other side, you know, once we once a fire is out and we release the scene and now a tremendous cleanup goes, that damn well should be your members of um, the building trades. And, and this is this is the battle for the next, I think, decade. We need to part partner up, plant our flag and say we're done. This needs these are union jobs that should be California union members earning that money. You know, absolutely, uh, Brian, you know, Cal Fire. And the firefighters uh, and us have a long, long history, all the way back to mining disasters, to dams breaking, to, you know, 9-11. Uh, we were in it neck to neck together. We have a, we have a long history, and we see, we see them wanting to contract out fire paramedics. We see they want to fire contract out, uh, you know, different, uh, to different contracts uh, from out of state, and saying we need help and we need to bring in, you know, audio, well, that, that's the firefighters of California's grand. Uh, you know, we do all the studios in California. And a long time ago, a Yahtzee, 
a hundred years ago. Charlie, that's a, that's Charlie, a stagehand. Yeah, the stagehands union. We build all the studios in LA and we build them around the state. But there's a line where they stop and where they bring in new contractors to do construction under contract. And that's a line that we're on that other side of. It's the same with the firefighters. You do all of the mitigation and cutting your roads and, and fight the fires uh, using equipment. But at a certain point, when all of that is is not included. They bring in contractors from out of state to do a scope of work that uh, you do not handle, or if you do handle, they try to undercut you with these contractors that'll do it for less. And that is an issue to us. If it's the work of the firefighter, it's the work of the firefighter. We are not interested in any work. But if it goes to contractors that are not doing work of the firefighter but doing mitigation and demolition and construction to fix the aftermath of fires, uh, that should go to California workers who pay the taxes, yeah. and, uh, and we will fight that fight. And we fully intend to stand with the firefighters on the issue of contracting out of their work to in-state or out-of-state. Uh, where they draw the line is where we stand with them, and we appreciate the firefighters' help on uh, these out-of-state contractors are coming in to do construction work. Uh, supporting us on that is a, is a, a great, uh, it's, it's a great feeling uh, to know that our partners are right there with them and that we can get, and even an out-of-state worker, we want him to make the wages that we make. We don't want him to be a slave right. uh, to cutting corners. Uh, but. No, we've always had a, a line between us, and when we get to that line, we, we salute the firefighters of California, and they've done the same with us in every emergency that we've ever handled together and, uh, and politically in this building across the street. There is no one that will ever be able to get a cigarette paper between the firefighters of California and the building trades. I will, I will, I just want to say to all of your members out there, uh, the firefighters of California have the absolute best political machine they could have here in Sacramento. And every single day there's things going on in that building that would undermine the firefighter, that would undermine uh, wages and benefits. And uh, we have municipalities, we've got counties that are looking to see if they can move the goalposts in California on promises that were made uh, with blood and sweat, and they would like to fudge it or back it up. It's your political organization that does not allow that to happen every single day. If the California building trades were not powerfully in this building for one year, we would lose prevailing wage. Oh. We would lose our benefits. We would lose our apprenticeship. And as you know, the firefighters and the building trades are in an uh, apprenticeship silo where we keep it real, they're not gonna start phony apprenticeship pro uh, programs out of labor ready against the firefighter or the building trades. Uh, we're determined that we will hold standards up so that our members can have a lifetime of work and have a decent life. That, that's one we haven't even touched on, Robbie, is, is the apprenticeship program. And the trades, you have close to 70,000. In, in apprenticeship programs and, and the great pride that is taken there. And, and yes, we're trying to model that same, um, that same model. And this is one of the things that I've talked to our JAC committee about 
It is a major point of pride to have a journey card. That's a big deal. And, and we're, you know, we're on our way there. But it makes me think about, one, the apprenticeship and the partnership. But in Kern County, our brothers in Kern County, Local 1301, um, and this is something that we've worked our way through, um, there's a huge move um, that, you know, fossil fuel, petrochemical is the enemy. Um, it's got to go away. And our members in Kern County have been getting their ass kicked for 10 years. Um, and then as I started talking to you about it, and I, there's a couple of realizations. You can't replace a whole segment of good paying jobs unless you have an alternative. And, you know, I'm not sold that we have one yet. I get it. You know, I'm not a big opposition person, but they're not the enemy. And on this one, for us, this is one where we stand with the trades. We have brothers and sisters working in um, this industry that make really make a good living. And we are not going to let that go by the wayside. And and I want to thank you for um, just the leadership and the friendship that you gave our members in uh in Kern County and, and, and members of Local 1301. That battle is still going on. You know, it's not, I, unfortunately, I don't think it's going to end anytime soon, but we're getting a little bit more um, strategic in that battle. But it is super important to me and super important to the firefighters that we don't abandon our brothers and sisters in the petrochemical industry, you know, at the drop of a hat. Um, they're, they're, it's a resource. And, and we've got to be smart about it. And, and that's not a popular thing to say. Well, you know, Brian, the reality is we got 40 million people in California. And if you're driving an electric car, the, the 100 cars around you are not. It's not going away. It's, we're in the transition, and we are switching refineries over to biofuel from grain. Uh, we have signed five agreements in Bakersfield in Los Angeles for to do everything from, from uh, cooking oil to seed oil in Bakersfield. We're in that transition. We're the ones that's building the solar, we're building the wind. But some of these politicians, they live on the coast, they don't want the wind to ruin their view. We got uh, environmentalists to block no more solar in San Bernardino County. But as uh, you know, uh, every day, 40% of the diesel and gasoline that we use and jet fuel is made from oil that comes out of the ground in California and Kern County in the city of Long Beach. 60% of the income for that city comes from oil extraction. Now, what are they doing? They're only meeting part of the need as it exists today in California, and it's winding down. And in the decades ahead, we will be using hydrogen, we will be using biofuels, we'll be, there's a whole different generation, but we're not there yet. Now, if some of these people in that building got their way. They drive off a cliff tomorrow. Uh, we would uh, end extraction, which means the refineries will go away. There's no oil coming out of the ground. That's 200,000 jobs yeah. that pay 100,000 a year. Now, what happens then? If we cannot meet our own energy needs at any level in California, we have to buy it all. It'll be the Russians, the Saudis, and Ecuador is where it'll come from. There's a story now. They're destroying the, the Amazon jungle in Ecuador and that's because politicians in the last couple of years have restricted the use of our own oil in California. All that oil is coming to California to replace- From somewhere what, else. We have from Ecuador. Wow. It's actually destroying, these environmentalists are destroying the Amazon in the name of being hypocrites 
of we're not going to do it ourselves, but it's okay if we do it dirty somewhere else. We're doing it clean here. We're meeting our own energy needs. California will be a beached wheel. We will have $10 gasoline, $12 diesel, and, uh, and you know, Camp Pennington will be getting it, and the, the Navy in, in San Diego, they'll be getting their diesel from the Russians. How do you think that's going to work? But that's how limited some people's point of view is in this capital. And I can tell you, your members and my members cannot afford $10 gasoline. It, it goes back, we had that discussion um, for the refinery in Richmond and the slag. And the um, your members, I do, and 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 this is what's one of the things that I so appreciate about having this discussion with you is not just working men and women, but industry, and how industry here in California, um, it, it 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 affects a worldwide market, but we get affected by a worldwide market if and when um, we start clamping down on things that, um, like you said. Um, we're very clean here, but we're dirtying up some somewhere else. American workers can compete with anybody, anybody. But what we can't compete with are countries that don't hold the same standards that we do, whether it's health and safety or environmental. It's all about money. And the sad part is what companies are going and fueling that interest industry in other, com- in other countries? They're American companies. And, and it's an exploitation of working men and women here. And what's worse, working men and women in, in, in quite frankly, developing countries. Yeah, no, we look at it. I mean, NAFTA was brought to us by the Democratic Party. Now the diesel trucks of Dodge are made across the border. The axle plants and the engine plants in Detroit and all these, all these cities, they're all done. So it's now the workers down there are being exploited. They're not allowed to form a union. If you mention the word overtime, you'll go missing. And so it's not like we were improving so much. They were getting out from underneath way. And those workers were making $27 an hour in, in Ohio and those places. And uh, so, the, but the difference, you know, uh, I will always hold out against President Clinton. He really d- d- destroyed the industrial base of, uh, of workers in central uh, Midwest. And, you know, the California economy is important to both your members and ours. That's huge. The tax base on which drives the infrastructure, which my members build, whether it be water, sewage plants, libraries, fire stations, airports, harbors, if that money isn't there, um, things aren't going to get built. And if that money's not there, municipalities, and if they're paying $12 a gallon diesel for your fire trucks, that city's going to look up to make that money somewhere else. And you know how, what type of a spiral that turns into when the economy's down and nobody's making money and we've destroyed all of our blue-collar industrial jobs. Uh, then it turns into a food fight yeah. uh, for people trying to keep their head above water. So, you know, that's, that's our common interest, holding, uh, you know, making it where you know, California thrives and the workers uh, do well because that's the California we want to live in. Yep. Robbie, um, before we close up, um, what do you see in, what do you, what do you think, two things, greatest challenge moving forward as uh, union labor and in the labor movement? And then as you look back in your career, what, what's, what's one thing that, you, that stands out to you? I know you're a humble guy, but what's one thing that stands out to you that you go, I'm really glad I was a part of that? You know, um, 
My family were, were pretty staunch trade unionists. We ended up in a lot of trouble with the British uh, because we were always on that side of the fence and, uh, and the owners of the industry. And I mean, I worked in England. The English people are wonderful people. But the, the capitalists were in there using our children and us as slaves, and we pushed back. So we had a real strong trade union history. It was like a religion to us. And when I came to America, you know, this is a big place. And I traveled across America and worked in Chicago and Boston. But I walked into the Union Hall in Los Angeles of the iron workers, and, uh, and one of my uncles had worked there for a long time. And I walked through, the, and above the door it said, through these doors passed the greatest trade unionists in the world. And I looked at it and I thought about my people back home and how we had fought and how determined we were. And I kind of thought to myself, yeah, we'll see about that. <laughs> well, that sign was right because once we got our unions over there, we were home free. Uh, the, the trade union and working man in this family and, uh, and his family in this country, and it's a great country. And, uh, and I have met some of the greatest workers that I could ever, some of the greatest trade unionists. And we really believe in this country. Building trades members believe in this country. Uh, but that time was correct. I met uh, the greatest trade unionists I ever could think of. And, uh, and I look back on my life and I, I think how lucky I was to work with the, the man that I have met in a country that has been good to me and, and is really a place where you can support your family and have a life uh, without fear. What do you, what do you see um, biggest challenge moving forward for um, the labor movement? Keeping our eye on the prize that neither the Democrat or the Republican really holds the key to the door for us, that we hold the key to the door. Our political interaction, in, in whether it be at the Capitol or Washington, D.C., uh, we will get what we, can, what we can hold. And if we can't hold them to it, we will lose it. And so the, the word union um, really is, is paramount to all of our members. Uh, the, the key to the door is to stay strong in politics and engage heavily, which, you know, the firefighters are brilliant at, and that's, that's why we're shoulder to shoulder on most issues. But I, I do believe that for the future, we've got to double down on that. And, and we will reward our friends and we will take on those from any party that undermines our members. I mean, I, I speak about the Mayo and some of these people on the pension issue. Um, we're, we're I've, as I said earlier, I've walked picket lines with the firefighters against these people when they hold their seminar that they can somehow change the world by taking away a firefighter's pension or reducing his wages, uh, they're thinking wrong. We are the plankton, working people are the plankton that the wheels live on. And when we do well, we buy homes, we buy refrigerators, we buy cars. They're looking through the wrong end of the tunnel. And, uh, and that light that they see is us and we're a train. And if they get on our way, we'll run over them. R Robbie, I just... Um your leadership, your friendship, um, I just, I can't thank you enough. I love you like a brother, and um, I just appreciate you taking a time out and coming by and talking labor and work and, and leadership and politics. Again, I want to thank our brother, Robbie Hunter, from 
the State Building and Construction Trades Council for joining us today. Uh, everybody out there, I hope you enjoyed this podcast and um, kind of the back and forth and the history lesson and really what it has taken for us to all be where we are today. And uh, thank you for joining us and wish everyone a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. And join us again on the CPF Firewire. You can find CPF Firewire at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, or wherever you find podcasts. Be sure to subscribe so you'll never miss an episode. You can also find CPF Firewire at the CPF website, www.cpf.org, and on the CPF YouTube page. We're always interested in getting your feedback, comments, and criticism. Tell us what you'd like to hear about. Drop us a line, info at cpf.org. CPF Firewire is a production of California Professional Firefighters. Our producer is Carol Wills. Our engineer is Matt McDermott. Please join us next month for another edition of CPF Firewire.